online and uh, welcome to kind of Celebration Sunday. We're taking a Sunday to just reflect on all that God has done this year and celebrating that in a number of different ways. So we are really glad you are here today. Let me know. If some, let me let you know of something our kids ministry is doing. Um, those of you who have kids in the kids ministry probably already know this, but maybe you're just joining us for the first time today. This is a pretty cool thing. We're gonna put a QR code up here on the screen for you. It's a Christmas party in a box. And so this is an opportunity if you wanna invite some kids in your neighborhood over and uh, really do some fun Christmas activities while also weaving in the Christmas story that points kids to Jesus. Jaden, um, our kids minister and her team have done a great job putting these together, so scan that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, be really something fun you can do over the next couple of weeks. Speaking of the next couple of weeks, Two weeks from today is Christmas Eve. Did y'all know that? It's two weeks from today. Some of y'all got some shopping left to do, all right? So hey, two weeks. This is your two-week warning. But I wanna make sure you know what we're gonna be doing up here on Christmas Eve, all right? So three services. We've got Saturday, December 23rd at 6 o'clock p.m. And then Sunday, December 24th, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock. It's the same service, all right? So choose the one that works for you. Um, if you can be here on Saturday night, that will open up more seats as we reach out and invite our community to come participate at Christmas Eve service, but no pressure there. Find the one that works for you. If Saturday works, come on. If it doesn't, you're always welcome on Sunday, but make sure you notice no nine o'clock or 11 o'clock, all right? So that is going to be our weekend worship gathering. Those three services, if you've got babies or preschoolers, our kids ministry will be available. You're more than welcome to bring them in with you, but if you wanna check them in like you normally would, um, you can do that. Your elementary age kids will be joining us in the service for those, and it's going going to be awesome. We uh, rolled out our special Christmas offering a couple of weeks ago. If you call New Hope Home, maybe you've been traveling, uh, maybe you haven't heard about this yet, we're sending you something in the mail this week with a few more uh, details, but let me just get the highlights. Right now, special Christmas offering, goal of $500,000 between now and January 31st, five ministry initiatives in the new year, and we're calling on everyone who calls New Hope Home to participate. It's gonna take all of us giving, not equally, but giving sacrifice. Sacrificially. So hopefully you've already begun to pray about how God would have you to be a part of this special offering. And I do have an update to share with you. So we set this goal of $500,000. And like I said, we're two weeks in and we'll keep you updated along the way. Uh, but so far, just in the first two weeks from the money that's been given and or pledged, we're already at $150,000. So I think that's worth celebrating. Two weeks in. So uh, that's exciting. So let me go ahead and begin to challenge you to give, okay? So if you want to give before the end of the year, that will count towards your charitable giving for 2023. Obviously, you can wait until the new year if you want to do that, but you can give with the QR code and the seat back in front of you. It's a QR code on the screen. If you prefer to go old school, nothing wrong with that. We got offering envelopes in the back of the room at the black giving boxes, but we'll keep you posted along the way. And then what's gonna be really fun is to see how we get to do these ministry initiatives and in 2024. So uh, we're celebrating a lot of fun things today, okay? We're celebrating out in the lobby. You're gonna get some special treats on your way out today that Abby will share a little bit more with you at the end of the service. Uh, we've been celebrating so far. Our worship team, by the way, did y'all know that our worship team wrote that song we just sang? Can we give it up for them? That was fun. 
I don't know how y'all do it, but it's just awesome. And we love being blessed by that. So uh, here's what we did. We uh, sat down and just went, hey, can we think of everything that God's done in the life of our church this year? And, and, and the answer was no, because God's done a lot. But it's kind of like when you look at pictures of your kids from a few years ago, and you're like, oh man, like I don't even remember that. I'm glad we took a picture. I hope I'm not the only parent that says that from time to time, all right? Because you know, we were probably tired, didn't sleep all night. And so you look at these things, and it gives you the opportunity to reflect and to celebrate. So what our amazing production team has done is they've looked at this entire year, and there's no way we can capture everything that God has done in this year. But if we wanna celebrate, they said, what are some highlights we could draw some attention to? And so they put together about a seven or eight minute video that I know is gonna bless your heart that really gives us an opportunity just to celebrate as a church family all that God has done this year. So take a look at this video. One of the most common commands in the Bible is the word remember. And do you know why God commands us to remember? He knows how forgetful we can be. See, when we remember all that God has done, we can celebrate his faithfulness. We can celebrate his goodness. And as we move towards the end of this year, we wanted to take the opportunity to remember all that God has done in the life of our church this year. As we celebrate his faithfulness, as we celebrate his goodness. In New Hope, it has been a remarkable year. And we wanted you to have the opportunity hear from our pastors and our staff and our ministry leaders what they are, have seen God do and what they're celebrating through God's faithfulness this year. In church, it's a reminder for us that God has called us not only to reach, teach, and release here locally, but literally to see that vision through to the ends of the earth. Our missional footprint extends from our local community all the way to the Dominican Republic. This year, 59 individuals traveled to Las Lomas to serve alongside our partner church there, Jehovah Nisi. Their faith in God and dedication to their community always inspires us, as together we served children in Vacation Bible School, a volleyball clinic, a woman's day. We also prepared the church grounds for future building projects and poured concrete floors to increase sanitation standards in 15 homes within the community. We are thankful for this partnership and excited for all the future holds together. One of our main areas of focus has always been to be a church on mission in our community to be a light into the world. Across our 15 ministry partners here in the Triangle, we've had over a thousand volunteers support causes. We also hosted another amazing effort with Rise Against Hunger in which 800 volunteers packed 150,000 meals. It's because of your support and dedication that we're able to help our local community partners propel their missions and reach all of God's people. 2023 began in unity with hundreds of us participating in 21 days of prayer and fasting, setting the tone for the year to come. As we completed the fast, it was so clear that we desired to go deeper. So sticking with the spirit of togetherness, 722 of you joined one of our discipleship courses. At Reveal Events, women flourished and thrived in their faith while being in community. As a church, we continue to grow deeper and grow in our relationships with God and with one another. People are hungry for community and for a place to call home. And many are finding it right here at New Hope Church with over 750 people stepping through our doors for the first time this last year. And it has been awesome to see so many of them get connected in a life group, a place where they can make friends and grow in their faith together. And God is stirring in people's hearts and life change is happening. We were honored to witness 118 people go public with their faith over the course of these last 12 months by stepping into the waters of baptism.
2023 was all about assembling our amazing army of volunteers, which encompassed 576 new hopers across the ministries who serve our communities in big ways. We welcomed people earlier this year to Springfest, where we were able to invite everyone to the life-changing message of hope at Easter time. We were blown away when almost 2,000 guests joined New Hope for our yearly Fall Fest just a few weeks ago. And without this beautiful army of people, we wouldn't be able to serve this amazing community around us with such love and excitement. A love that points them to Jesus so that they too know what it looks like to step into a relationship with Him and join this phenomenal faith community. Speaking of community, this year we started NH Young Adults Off with 100 in attendance, only to see that number increase to 195 in attendance. Church, that's our young adults being released across their local cities to shine a light for Jesus. But what we're most proud of is how these young adults have poured back into their local church, as well as in their local communities around them. It's so special watching those you invest in turn around and invest back into the world around them. Students have seen so much breakthrough and freedom this year. We have seen over 156 individuals come into this building on Wednesday night and encounter God, encounter His freedom, encounter His love. No matter what they came in this place with, they leave with the hope of Jesus. Here in NH Kids, one of our biggest goals is to partner with you parents as you walk with and champion your child's spiritual growth. This year, it was a joy to watch as over 200 of you committed to pray for your child on a deeper level. 54 of you parents stood before our church to say, I want to raise my child to know Jesus. It is our joy to continue to walk alongside you both on Sundays and beyond. So many incredible things have happened, but one of the coolest things that's happened in this worship department is that we've written five songs in this house, by this house, and for this house. And four of those songs were recorded on the first worship night that we have had here at New Hope in the past three years. Those songs will be released next year, but church, I am so excited to tell you that God is moving in such a beautiful way, and this is just the beginning. For me, 2023 will always be the year that we saw God's faithfulness and bringing us our new senior pastor. During this challenging season, I know that we were all praying together as a church family for God to clearly lead us. And as someone who served on the search team and on the board, I had a front row seat in seeing just how faithful God was. When 2023 began, we didn't know Pastor Adam nor his family, his wife Morgan, their boys, Sam, Jacob, and Henry, and they didn't know us, and yet God brought us together. There were so many spirit-led moments along the way where God spoke clearly, giving us great confidence that Pastor Adam was in fact the man God was calling to lead New Hope into the future. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Adam's and his family's obedience to God's call to leave behind their lives and the great ministry they had in Alabama to be part of what God is doing here at New Hope. And I'm so grateful for how New Hope has accepted the Bishop family and made them feel right at home from day one. It's been so exciting to celebrate God's faithfulness this year. and We should all look forward with great anticipation to all that God has in store for us in 2024 and beyond. God has been so faithful to our church and what an honor to serve this beautiful faith community for nearly 15 years. Over the last year, our online experience has been thriving with close to 1 million views. That's a lot of people hearing the gospel message of hope 
And just a few weeks ago, we started posting our entire Sunday experience, worship and teaching. Anyone, anywhere, anytime can stream our services and feel like they have a front row seat to all that God is up to these days. I'll leave you with this thought. Just imagine what's on the horizon and join me in praying as we lean into God's direction for greater plans and purposes to come. Love you, New Hope. Isn't it awesome to celebrate all that God has done in the life of our church this year? The stories of life change are incredible. And New Hope, here's what I want you to know. None of this happens without you. Those stories of life change are because of your faithfulness, how God has used you, not just on our campuses on Sundays, not just in the ministries that take place throughout the week, but literally every day as you go into the places God has called you to be, offering the hope that can only be found in and through the person of Jesus Christ. What an incredible year it has been. And here's what's exciting. I think we're just getting started. I believe God has greater things in store for us in this new year, greater opportunities for us to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to people in the triangle, in our region, to the ends of the earth as well. And I cannot wait to see what God is going to do as we move forward in faith together. So New Hope, let's go. I can't wait to see all that God is going to do moving forward. And it's fun to just look at that and celebrate all that God has done. And let me just say thank you from our family um, for making us a part of your family. You know, we moved here in June and the search team did such an amazing job along the way of, of making us uh, feel at home and I'll forever be grateful to them. And they kept telling me about all of you and how wonderful you were. And um, I gotta be honest with you, I think they might've sold y'all a little short because y'all are the most amazing group of people we've ever been around in our life. So thank you for welcoming my family. I love getting to be your pastor. And here's the thing, you're stuck with me for a minimum of 20 years, right? That's how this works, okay? That's how this works. Yeah, you better clap, all right? I don't know, all right? And my mid-60s will reevaluate things and see if I get 20 more. That's how it's gonna work, all right? So, um, hey man, what a fun month. Uh, what a fun Sunday. And uh, what a good series. So again, if you're just jumping in today, welcome. We're glad you're here. And uh, we do like to celebrate God's faithfulness. What we've been doing in his word in this series is basically finding some songs that we all know that we sing at Christmas and then finding the theme and seeing what God's word has to say about that particular theme. And what makes this particular message fun is the song, like I've already mentioned, thanking our worship team that was written here, Let Us Rejoice, is actually the song that we're gonna build the message off of today because there are some themes in this song that really unpack for us what the Christmas story is all about. So we sang this earlier. There's a couple of lines I wanna draw your attention to. The whole idea of rejoicing and how we're rejoicing in some specific things. And so the first line, let me draw your attention to, says, hear the good news, behold, great joy has come to deliver all the earth. And then this last phrase, from death to life. That, that, that's not typically a phrase that we would say, let's rejoice or let's celebrate. And we know that it's kind of tied in with the Christmas story, but maybe it's not something that we speak as much of as we should, as we should at Christmas. So that was one line. Let me point out a second, maybe you've noticed when we were singing it. We sang earlier, unto us is born a savior who's come 
to wash away our sins. Again, we often talk of death to life. We talk of washing away our sins with what happens at the cross and the resurrection at Easter. But it's a helpful reminder that when we sing this song, those are major themes of Christmas as well. And what I want to do is take you to a passage in the Bible that gives us that. That literally, as a part of the story, we're going to see some dots connected that at Christmas we're supposed to celebrate this idea of somehow moving from death to life, of somehow being rescued from our sins. Let me give you the passage. It's kind of foundational to the Christmas story, but maybe we can kind of read it in a different light today. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It starts off by saying this, but when he had considered this, let's just pause here for a second. Who's he? What was he considering? He in this passage is Joseph. Now, Joseph, obviously, Mary and Joseph. Joseph, Jesus's earthly father. And what he's considering is this. Mary has told him that she's pregnant and it's God's baby. How would you have reacted if your fiance had told you she's pregnant and it's God's baby? Here's the word for that, considering, okay? He's considering. What does she mean by that? Thankfully, God in his goodness sends an angel to Joseph to clear some things up. So Joseph, when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, because Joseph was in the line of King David. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That literally as the angel delivers to Joseph validation that what Mary has told him is true, we see that the name of Jesus is tied to this idea of delivering us from our sins, of saving us from our sins, of moving us from death to life. You see, it's one thing at Christmas to acknowledge Jesus came as a baby. It's one thing to actually rejoice and celebrate that Jesus came as a baby. It's quite another thing, church, to rejoice and celebrate that Jesus had to come to rescue us from our sin. To recognize that there was actually a point to all of this and we were actually the reason he had to come. So it's a big idea that I want us to unpack for the rest of our time together today. So if you're taking notes, let me ask you to jot this down. See, at some point, whether we recognize it or not, all of us have to admit, recognize, acknowledge we are in need of saving or rescue. You are in need of saving or being rescued. Now, if you're not a, just a tad bit offended by hearing me say that, I didn't say it the right way. See, when someone tells you that you are in need of being rescued or that you're in need of being saved, what it's implying is that you're not enough on your own. And that is counter to everything you've been told in this life. Everything about our world says you are good enough. You don't need anyone else to rescue you or to save you. You actually have what it takes. And then along comes this gospel message, this Christmas story, with a baby being born so that we can be rescued, so that we can be saved. And so what I want you to hear this morning is that you actually are in need of being rescued. You're in need of being saved. Now, for some of you, you're just kind of checking this out. You know a little bit of the Christmas story. You've never really come to a place in your life 
We've acknowledged that Jesus is God or that Jesus is the way to get to God. And so the way that we would understand God's word as it would speak to you today is that you are in need and you are in need of being rescued from your sin and being saved by Jesus. And I don't say that to offend you or to upset you, but just to shoot you straight. That's actually what we believe. So as I unpack some things this morning, let me ask you to listen with an open mind and with an open heart. Now, some of you are here and you came to a point in your life maybe decades ago where you recognized your need for a savior. You knew you needed to be rescued and saved. You asked Jesus to come into your life and to save you. And if that's your story, like it is my story, I made that decision years ago, it can be easy when we talk about things like this to just go, well, I've already made that decision. I already recognize that I need to be rescued or saved. I'm not really sure what that has to do with my life today. And here's what I have found. It has everything to do with my life today. See, being rescued or saved is a one-time decision where you ask Jesus to come into your life that must be revisited every single day. Because every single day, other things in my life compete for my heart's affection, my mind's focus and attention. And if I don't acknowledge my great need of continual rescue and saving from Jesus Christ before I realize that I will have wandered off this path of walking with God. So let's just kind of level the playing field and acknowledge we all need to be rescued, we all need to be saved. And specifically, I believe as we study God's word, we need to be rescued and saved from three things. So if you're taking notes today, let me share those with you. Here's the first one. Because of what Jesus did, we can all be rescued from effort for God. Effort for God. You say, what's that? Being good enough for God. It's still very prevalent in our culture that there's enough things that we can do that God would somehow look at us and say, you're good. And that requires an immense amount of effort. And for a lot of people, they think if I can just get to the end of my life and the good outweighs the bad, I'll be good. Maybe I'll get to go to heaven. I mean, maybe if I treated my neighbor as myself and, and I was mostly good. I mean, I, I heard a few years ago, somebody was talking about this couple and all these wonderful things they had done and all this money they had given. And they said, from a kind place in their heart, there's just a special place in heaven reserved for them. Maybe. But not unless they step into heaven, as Jesus said, by the way, the truth and the life. He's the only one who made that claim. See, just doing good things for other people isn't going to get us to heaven. And for a lot of us, that can be difficult to reckon with, which is why God's word is so clear to help us recognize our part of the story, okay? Romans 5, 6 through 8. Here's our part of the story. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, we don't like that word. We wanna be powerful. No, the Bible says we were powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for you when you were at your worst. Jesus came to earth to rescue you and to reconcile you back to God because we're all sinners by nature and choice. And when we recognize this and when we acknowledge this and when we accept what Jesus has done for us, we are freed from this continual pursuit to somehow be good enough in God's eyes. And I think for the, a lot of us, there just has to come a point in our lives where we recognize that while we may think we're good, we're actually really not that good. You ever been in a place in your life where you thought you were good and then you did something that wasn't good and somebody still told you you were good? That's called grace. 
If you're not confused, let me share a story to illustrate this, all right? I'm good, but I did something bad, but somebody still told me I'm good. I'm 16 years old. We're at a camp called Impact. We went there every summer, and it was like a, a leadership discipleship camp that our student ministry participated in. I went every year, middle school, high school. This was the camp God called me into ministry when I was 18 years old. It played a significant role in my life. But when I was 16 years old, the week that we were at camp, there was about 10 of us, and five of us were in one room, five of my buddies, and then five dudes across the hall in another room. And for whatever reason, we decided that week it would be fun to have a contest to see who by the end of the week could have the dirtiest room. Now, teenagers don't do this, all right? Don't do that to Tanner or anybody else in our student ministry, okay? But we thought it would be fun. And it started off by just like, you know, throwing your clothes on the floor and just kind of making your room look messy. But if it's a competition, you got to step up your game. So we did. And one of the things I discovered that week that I now gladly share with you, that is if you take a pack of Nutter Butters, you can be very creative with Nutter Butters, all right? So what you can do is you can remove the top one, like Oreos, but with Nutter Butters. You can remove the top one, and when you stick them on a wall, they will stay till Jesus returns. They're not coming off that wall, okay? I'm pretty sure it's not peanut butter, right? That was manufactured in a lab, but you can stick those on a wall. You can create beautiful artwork with Nutter Butters. I learned this because I did that in our room. And then I was dumb enough to sign my name in Nutter Butters beneath my drawing, okay? But again, it helped us in the competition, all right? Now, another buddy of mine realized that if you take aerosol deodorant and you spray it on a mirror, it looks like graffiti. I'm giving your children wonderful ideas, okay? So this was just kind of how we were doing this back and forth. And we weren't destroying property, but we were getting pretty close. And then towards the end of the week, one of us had the great idea that on top of this contest, we should add to it a door slamming contest. Let me tell how 16 year olds think. If um, the best thing to do when making our room as dirty as possible is to slam the door over and over to draw more attention to it, all right? So that's what we did. So security showed up, they looked at our rooms and they were trashed. And the next thing I knew, we were all like in this small room. And see, this was bad, not only for what was about to happen, but because my student pastor, he was kind of a leader of all this and we were supposed to be representing him and all those different things. And he came in and he was very disappointed with us and he made us run all night until we threw up. Yes, he did do that to the glory of God. And so we did throw up and then we had to go apologize. And I know this is kind of a goofy story, but if just for a second you could recognize that in that moment when I woke up the next day, like I felt terrible. Like I felt like I should have done better. Like I felt like I should have known better. Like I felt like I should have made wiser choices with Nutter Butters. Have you ever been there before in your life? I just thought, I have not made good choices. And I've disappointed my student pastor and my parents are probably gonna find out. And I was really beating myself up, all right? And I was walking to breakfast. This is just like a moment in life. There was no like camera, there was no spotlights. It didn't show up in an end of the year celebration video. I'm just walking to breakfast. And there was this adult, this kind of spiritual mentor of mine. His name was Donald Wise. And uh, he's now with Jesus. But he, he came walking up and, and he had like this kind of like, pep in his step and he put his arm around me and he was like, hey man, I'm so proud of you. And I just looked at him and I was like, did you hear what we did in our room? He's like, oh yeah, I heard all about it. I'm so proud of you. Man, I love you so much. And I just kept looking at him like, what's the punchline here? And he goes, you messed up pretty bad, didn't you? I go, yeah. He goes, you know what? I think we should forget about that. What do you think? I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. He's like, listen to me, Adam. He's like, I'm proud of you. I love you. None of that matters. I need you to forget about it. And we're gonna have a great day today. Do you understand? And I said, I think. 
He said, hey man, the sooner you recognize that God always feels the same way about you, regardless of whether you get it right or wrong, is the sooner God will begin to use you in great ways. In the grand scheme of things, what we did wasn't really that big of a deal, but what I was doing to myself was, and he saw it, and he spoke words of life to me, and it just put me on a different trajectory, and for some of you today, you need to hear the same thing, that perhaps your scorecard over the last seven days for how you've been doing things for God probably doesn't look that good. I need you to hear me this morning. What God wants to free you from is that entire pursuit that you could actually know that when God looks at you, he says you're good, even when you're not good, because my son Jesus was good in your place. And you came to a place in your life where you recognize that and you accepted his perfection in your place. And when you experience that, here's what you're rescued from, that continuous, exhausting pursuit to somehow be good enough for God. And if you've never made that decision, my prayer for you this Christmas would be that you would recognize and acknowledge that need of rescue, accept Jesus, and experience the freedom that comes from that. Let me give you the second thing we can be rescued from. Performance for others. Performance for others. Everything about our life puts pressure on us to perform for others, to experience acceptance from others, approval from others, to have people who like us. If you ever meet somebody who says, well, I just don't really care about what other people think, you just met a liar. <laughs> we all care about what people think. Some of us can hide it better than others. But at some point, we have to recognize, wait a second, it's gonna be difficult to move through life if I have this continual drive to perform, to earn the approval of others. And I love what God's word challenges us with through the Apostle Paul. I think he had to get to a place in his life where he made this decision. I think it's challenging, and I think it's something we should consider as well. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. There's gotta come a moment in all of our lives where we drive a stake in the ground and say, I'm gonna live my life to please God, not people. The only people that ever please everybody are people who sell ice cream, okay? That's it. <laughs> and even there's some people who are allergic to that for Pete's sake, all right? So listen, you just gotta get to a place where you draw the line and say, is my life gonna be used to please God or used to please people? That doesn't give you license to be a jerk when you say, I'm trying to please God, I'm not trying to please people, but it will help you get through life because see, everything about life is telling you either who doesn't approve you, approve of you or accept you, or the people you know who are gaining more approval and more acceptance from others. Social media feeds this. So let's say you do something fun. It's awesome. You think, you know what? I'm gonna share that experience. And I, I like to do that on social media. And you share it. And some people you know, like they kind of like it. And you're thinking, man, that's cool. They enjoyed that I got to do this. And you know, by the end of the week, like 30 people have liked your experience. You're like, that's kind of cool, man. People kind of enjoyed that with me. Until you scroll down and you see somebody else you know, and they shared their experience and 300 people liked their experience. Which means they gained 10 times more approval than you. See, previous generations didn't have this. They didn't have this scrolling scorecard at all times that let them know how many other people were approving of their lives. We do, okay? 
And if we're not careful, something that can be used for good is something that the enemy begins to use to penetrate our hearts to say things like, nobody likes you. Nobody approves of you. If you could just be, here we go, a little more like them than other people would like you. If you could just change a little bit about who you really are, you would gain more acceptance. And so before we know it, we start down that path to gain the acceptance of others, to change who we really are, to modify our behaviors, to change our look, to become a chameleon, to act this way, to act that way. Here's the word for that, exhausting, exhausting. Can I tell you what God wants to bring into your life? Rest. Do you know one of the ways he brings rest into your life? By freeing you from the need to be accepted and liked by others. That's what he does. See, when you recognize there's no amount of effort that you can put forward to truly get the acceptance of another person, and you recognize that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, your identity is now found in him, can I give you the word for that? Confidence. Confidence. Confidence to just be you. I was a middle school pastor years ago. I love middle school students. Do you know what I used to tell my middle schoolers all the time? You're never being more You're never being more of who God wants you to be than when you're just quite simply being you. Because God doesn't make mistakes. He created you to be you. And you and I have learned over the years working with adults, we need that message too. That's not just for middle schoolers. Hey, adults, you're never being more of who God created you to be than when you're just being you. You be who God created you to be. You have the confidence that comes from knowing God and walking with God. And if you'll rest in that confidence, God will start to use you in greater ways because guess who the most powerful person is? The person who doesn't need the approval of others and they're just at the disposal to be available, like we sang earlier, for God to use them. See, saying this doesn't mean we don't care about other people. It means we've gotten so far past that that we can actually put ourselves out there and love other people from a healthy place of being accepted by God. And we can be rescued from that deep rooted desire. Let me do the third thing we can be rescued from this Christmas season because of what Jesus did, because he came, we can be rescued from loneliness from, and then I left the blank. I left the blank. Loneliness is something everybody experiences. Everybody experiences I think the question is, from what? I think it's a helpful thing to do a little self-examination on. What makes you lonely? We all understand loneliness, but we all have different reasons for experiencing it. Maybe you're lonely because you feel misunderstood. If you feel misunderstood, especially by the people who you care about the most, it can leave with this deep ache and this feeling of loneliness. Maybe you feel lonely because you've been betrayed. Someone who you trusted, they turned on you. And now it's very difficult to trust another person and that leaves you with the emotion of loneliness. Maybe you've been abandoned. Maybe someone left you in a relationship. Maybe a parent abandoned you and and, and that has left you feeling lonely. Maybe you've lost someone, a loved one, maybe this year. Maybe this is the first Christmas season. You're going through this season without them. And it just leaves you feeling lonely. So I think it's helpful sometimes to ask, why am I lonely? What's driving that? What's behind that? And see, the reason we do that isn't just so that we can gain insight into 
who we are or what's going on with our emotions. The reason why we do that is because it allows us to speak to God with greater clarity about what's happening in our lives, and that matters because of Jesus. See, Jesus is someone who isn't just sympathetic to what you're going through, he's empathetic. See, when you have sympathy, it's someone saying, man, I'm really sorry that you're going through that. Empathy is, I'm really sorry you're going through that. I hurt with you because I've been there too. I know exactly what that feels like. And there's a passage in the New Testament that it tells us that Jesus empathizes with us. Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable, here it is, to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace, here's the phrase, to help us in our time of need. When I feel lonely, it's a time of need. I need help. And what this passage is saying is that I can actually go to God and I can talk to him about that because of what Jesus did. That I can actually experience rescue from that emotion that has created loneliness because Jesus can empathize with that. See, if you've been abandoned today, let me tell you who you can talk to about that. Jesus. He knows what it feels like to be abandoned. As people seven days earlier who had said, Hosanna in the highest to the king of the Jews as he rode in on a donkey. Seven days later, they had abandoned him and they were crying for his crucifixion. He said, I feel like I've been betrayed. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed, misunderstood. Have family history that follows you around for your entire life that keeps pulling you back when you try to move ahead. Jesus had that too. The stigma of Jesus' birth followed him around his entire life. You realize part of our faith story is an unplanned pregnancy? You don't think that followed Jesus around for the rest of his life? And for some of you, that's your story. Whatever it is that you've walked through that creates the pain, the heartache, the loneliness, we have a savior who empathizes, who says, I know what that feels like because he came to earth as one of us. We don't worship a savior who's distant. We don't worship a savior who doesn't understand pain and suffering. We don't worship a savior who didn't walk in our shoes. He faced what we face and that, therefore we can talk to him about it. When's the last time you talked to Jesus about the real things? About the real things. He cares about you. He cares about you. There's nothing you're not walking through right now that if Jesus could not physically pull up a chair and say, talk to me about that, he wouldn't because he loves you. You can be rescued from that. You don't have to carry that weight alone. You don't have to walk through this alone, but you do need to talk to him about it. And because of what Hebrews says, you can do that with great confidence. Hey, would you bow your head with me this morning? I just sense that somebody's hurting right now. Somebody's hurting right now. Somebody's hurt you and you're hurting. I hope you find hope this Christmas season. Not in the sentiment of the Christmas story, 
not in the rhythm of traditions. I hope you find hope this Christmas season and the person who is the focus of the Christmas season, his name's Jesus. And he stepped out of heaven and he stepped down to this earth so that you could be rescued. He loves you. He wants to rescue you. He wants today to be the first day of the rest of your life. He wants you to feel like you're good even though you know you're not good, but because he's good and you've accepted his goodness in your place. And so God, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness to send your son after us. Thank you for your faithfulness to sacrifice your son for us. God, thank you for your faithfulness that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, for those of us who need to be rescued today, rescue us from bitterness. Rescue us from hurt. Rescue us from loneliness. Rescue us. Jesus, thank you that when we get real, talk about what's really going on, you nod along with us. And you let us know you've been there. So God, as we worship you, speak to us as only a loving father can do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.